What up, Rinku Army and AEW fans? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Marie Shadows. And on this episode of the Square Circle Podcast, I will be going over an AEW All Out 2021 predictions. Card for AEW All Out 2021 is definitely stacked and it's going to be in CM Punk's hometown, Chicago. It happens on September 5th, just right around the corner. So here are my predictions for the match card. Let's just get right into it. We heard from Tony Khan that unfortunately, Pac and Andrade won't be at All Out this year due to travel issues. So the Women's Casino Battle Royale has now been put on the main card. For the pre-show, we have a huge tag team match. On one side, it's going to be Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, Wheeler Yuta, and Jurassic Express taking on Matt Hardy, Private Party, and TH2. Now, there's been build up to this, but just not enough for me to tell you exactly what is going on. It feels like Matt Hardy has to have an issue with everybody on the roster. And just because he's doing the Matt money gimmick and having the HFO team and stable, it's just not really a good look. It's very inconsistent. How many times is Matt Hardy going to try to pick an issue with somebody on the roster because he didn't like the way that a match went or he lost or he lost money or someone is doing something stupid? Like, I can't keep up with the inconsistencies that AEW has with their guys with so much creative freedom because nothing is going to make sense in the end. No one is really going to remember HFO. No one's really going to remember the whole money mat arc and everything else. Jurassic Express was at the top of AEW, at the top of the rankings, at the top of the storylines, at the top of everybody's mind. And here they are. They lost their momentum along the way. Thankfully, Jungle Boy got some more momentum by facing Kenny Omega and did his best to try to dethrone Kenny and really put on a good show. But again, Jurassic Express was really great in 2019. Come 2021, it's like they're trying to get that momentum. Can they still do it? As for Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy, I see them as just there. If we're going to talk about best friends as a whole, I just don't get the hype. I just don't get them. I get it. They're best friends. But I need a little bit more other than, oh, we're best friends. Even though somebody can definitely say, oh, well, that's their whole thing. I get that. But show me something more than just having me think that you guys are just going to be in the background as supporting characters. Wheeler Yuta is on a roll and he's definitely on his own momentum and he's doing fantastic on the indies in AEW, in New Japan Strong. He's going to be one that you're going to need to really pay attention to his career. TH2 came back, but there isn't much hype about them. I love Jack Evans and Helico is Angelico. I don't want to see these two guys be someone else's lackey. I want to see them do great in the tag team division. With having so many stables and factions, whatever you want to call them, it kind of makes you forget how many tag teams AEW actually has. Because all we keep seeing are the Young Bucks going after... The Lucha Bros, or just some type of combination where it's always the three top and everybody else that's a tag team gets sort of forgotten and be become supporting characters to other people's story arcs that may or may not need to be there. Like 
TH2, Private Party, Best Friends, they should all be trying to go after the Young Bucks and claim the biggest prize in professional wrestling, which are those AEW World Tag Team Championships. The Young Bucks should be defending those tag team titles every chance that's presented, every opportunity that comes up, only because they have a lot of tag teams and the tag teams should be on rotation. They have been having the other tag teams on rotation to fight the Young Bucks, but there's no backstage interactions with like possibly planting the seeds for a private party to try to go after them or th2 to go after them or best friends to go after them so sometimes the way that AEW sets up all these factions and stables you forget exactly how many tag teams AEW has and I think that does a disservice to everyone in general because fans are gonna feel like it's always gonna be the same tag teams going after the Young Bucks for their tag team titles. Now, private parties should definitely be breaking away from Matt Hardy. That does not help them at all. Private party had their own thing going on with, it's a private party, you need an invitation to get in, and this ain't water. If they would have kept on the path that they were on, especially the path that they built here in New York City, because they are New York City guys, they would have been fine. But for some reason in professional wrestling, if you're from New York, you don't really survive in wrestling for some reason. People know you're from New York, but people don't cheer you as loudly as they should and give you support. Like private parties should definitely be out on their own, be their own tag team and definitely take the opportunities as they see fit because they have the experience of being cunning and being the best tag team champions. That's why they have a deal with AEW in the first place. That's why the Young Bucks signed them. What more mentorship does Matt Hardy need to have on them that will elevate their careers? Right now, we have Isaiah Cassidy saying he wears two watches on his wrist. Like, bro, you're one of the best wrestlers and one of the best tag team wrestlers in the business. Start acting like it. Don't care about the material that you wear. The only material that you should be worried about are those AEW tag team championship titles. They went everywhere all over the world and we supported them through and through. And being with Money Matt Hardy is definitely not helping them in the least. Why are they not going after the Young Bucks? As for who's winning this big tag team match, I'm definitely going to have to side with Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, Wheeler Yuta, and Jurassic Express. I do not see the heels winning for the pre-show. Now on to the main card. We have a women's casino battle royale. And the competitors, as far as we know, are Nyla Rose, Julia Hart, Big Swole, The Bunny, Thunder Rosa, Red Velvet, Ty Conti, Penelope Ford, Diamante, Hikaru Shida, Emi Sakura, Jay Cargo, Kira Hogan, Abaddon, Kylan Kane, Layla Hirsch, and more women to be announced. I am surprised that Kira Hogan is in this Casino Battle Royale. It may not have been confirmed, but it will be interesting if she's in there and we get to see how she handles herself in a Battle Royale. The winner of this receives a shot at the AEW Women's World Championship. So honestly, for me, Casino Battle Royales or Battle Royales in general, I don't really have much to say on it. I would love Thunder Rosa to win so she could have her... Next story chapter with Britt Baker, because that is not done. I also think that Big Swole's championship reign is totally overdue 
She will be a really good champion to push the women's division further. Her feud with Britt Baker is a testament to that. And who knows? Maybe we'll have some surprises. Maybe we'll have Ruby Soho in this casino battle royale as a mystery entrant. And if she happens to win this casino battle royale, the story between her and Britt Baker should be really explosive. And if she has any past quarrelings with Jamie Hayter back in the day, use that to their advantage. Use everything to their advantage. I trust Britt Baker enough to have a really good thought out storyline. But then again, AEW needs to be consistent with the women, but they're not consistent with building up the women's division. We'll get some great stories. We'll get some really good matches, but half the time it gets slowed down. The momentum gets slowed down from the women. And then when we pick it back up, we're like, how much more should we care? I care about the AEW women's division. The only problem is, is that the stop and go, the stop and go, eventually people are just not going to be as loud and as boisterous as they once were. We're just here looking at what's happening from the outside and hoping that it gets better. It has gotten better. It has improved. But sometimes when they go two steps forward, it's usually four steps back. Again, I do not count AEW Dark or AEW Dark Elevation in this conversation because when you want to showcase your women, you do it on Dynamite. Diamante and Big Swole were having a feud on AEW Dark. These women worked their asses off on the indie circuit, going everywhere and anywhere they could to get booked. And you're going to put the two hardest workers... And you put them on AEW Dark and not even Dynamite to show the whole world why the AEW Women's Division should be praised and respected that they could go out there and hold their own. Britt Baker has definitely been carrying the division, but if you're just going to keep the rest of the women that you think that can't work in front of the camera... On AEW Dark, AEW Dark Elevation and Rampage because you think that it would be a better safe space for them while in wrestling. How are you going to improve your craft if you know that there's always going to be a safety net for you and you can't learn from your mistakes? There's a lot of people on the indies that currently do a lot of stupid shit that don't make sense and they oftentimes look like they get hurt or they really do get hurt but they learn from their mistakes they get better and they want to learn the women in aw should definitely have payoffs when it comes to pay-per-views and not just a champion fighting one of their opponents during their long feud and if you guys are interested in how I would book Big Swole, especially back in 2019 for a actual women's tournament to make sense and not just thrown around like what we saw with that women's tag team tournament, head over to ravagelands.com, go over to the website, click on the Ring Crew blog, and I have a section of my creative writing where I wrote a wrestling script for AEW that describes how Big Swole would have been our first ever women's champion. Link in the description, of course, I'll link it to you guys as well. So whoever wins this Casino Battle Royale, good luck to all the competitors. Again, the winner receives an AEW Women's Championship title. My picks are definitely going to be either Big Swell or Thunder Rosa. Those two are going to be the two that I choose.
Next, we have MJF versus Chris Jericho. The stipulation here is if Chris Jericho loses, he can never wrestle in AEW again. Why? Why is this happening? Jericho just went through the five labors of Jericho that was constructed by MJF and Jericho won all five of the matches just to have this last six match at all out. If that was the case, they should have had the last labor of Jericho at all out to make sense. But because Chris Jericho's career is on the line, Jericho will be going with Fozzie to have a tour. So maybe Jericho might lose this one just because we've seen it a million times. Nothing new is here. And this is where that conversation comes up with AEW doing WWE things. This is definitely a WWE thing. Putting your career on the line. It's like, Jericho, you could just relax for a while. You know, you don't have to put up your AEW career. You could just become a coach, go tour with Fozzie and do things that you want to go do. For the sake of story and pushing MJF, my pick is MJF just because they're going to be doing a lot more storylines with MJF, which by the way, when are we going to get MJF versus Warlow? Next, we come to John Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima. Kojima is a New Japan Pro Wrestling legend and is the master of the lariat. So in this match, you guys already know how I feel about John Moxley. I'm going to say it again on this podcast episode. For me, John Moxley is a hit or miss depending on what he's doing, depending on what situation he's in. Sometimes I could get behind him on powerful promos that he does. Sometimes I'm like, yo, dial that back. Be a little bit more professional. I get it. I'm a fan like you too, but calm that shit down. So that way I can understand why you either want to go after the opponent or just try to do whatever you want to do to gain something in personal value. So... My pick is definitely going to be Kojima. John Moxie is definitely going to feel that lariat that Kojima is going to land on him. Now, while my pick is Kojima, hear me out with some storyline tidbits. What if John Moxley does happen to get the win on Kojima, which I'll be really upset if he does. But in a storyline world, Moxie picks up the win against Kojima. And what if his next opponent is another New Japan Pro Wrestling veteran and he goes after the class that Tanahashi was with? The guys that Tanahashi graduated with and fought with and had wonderful matches with. What if John Moxley winning against all of these veterans in New Japan Pro Wrestling means that he will eventually get his shot? at the ace Hiroshi Tanahashi for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship title. That would be an interesting story just based on the fact that John Moxie cut a promo saying that he's been trying to hit up the New Japan offices with the contracts and trying to see who's going to take the bait, trying to see who's going to take a match with him. And now they're finally giving him guys because these guys are like, I'll sign my name on the dotted line. And here we are. We have John Moxie versus Kojima at All Out. And again, my actual pick is Kojima to win. But what happens in the storyline world where I suggested Moxley wins and he keeps doing this until he gets to Tanahashi. Now, unfortunately, we get to a bathroom break here on the All Out 2021 predictions, which is going to be Paul 
Wright, which is Big Show, taking on QT Marshall. I do not care for this match. I do not care for QT Marshall. And maybe saying that might hurt my chances of actually working with AEW. But then again, if I can't be honest, then what's the point of having a podcast? What's the point of having an opinion if people just don't agree with you? I honestly don't think that this is compelling enough for me to be like, oh my God, I'm excited for it. Oh my God, I'm interested in it. When this could have used a regular one-on-one women's match right here where two women can definitely showcase their ability and show the world why the AEW women's division should be respected, should be looked at, should be supported. And we all knew it was just a matter of time until Big Show decided to wrestle in the AEW ring. And QT Marshall is obviously there for the bait. But I do not see QT losing this since he's on a hot streak right now. And anybody that has anything negative to say, he's on point with it on social media. So unfortunately, I have to pick a winner, which I really don't want to because I don't care about this match. QT Marshall is getting the win. I don't see Big Show getting the win. And as we saw on AEW Dynamite, the gun club turned on Big Show. And I guess Billy just wanted his Seth Rollins moment. And now we come to the dreaded next match on this card, which is CM Punk versus Darby Allin. I will say here on this podcast, I will eventually do a CM Punk podcast where I will basically say he's not my punk. I was once a huge fan of CM Punk, followed his whole entire career from PWG, Ring of Honor, TNA, WWE. He had the falling out with WWE, heard the, heard the Cabana podcast, and then he went away for seven years and then he's back with open arms, which is like, he's still an asshole at his core and he could definitely leave and get up and get out of the business just as quickly as he once did before. But I have a lot more time on that specific podcast to go into detail as to why I am not going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he changed his ways, that I'm not going to give him the open, warm welcome that everyone else is giving him. I'm just going to let you know that those ice cream bars are going to run out soon. And the shininess of Punk. CM Punk cannot lose in this match against Darby Allin. He doesn't even look ring ready. The GTS was really lazily done, which by the way, Kenta, which if you don't know who Kenta is, he's also Hideo Itami that was in NXT and barely got into WWE and truly blossomed like the star that he is, went back to New Japan, joined Bullet Club, but Kenta also ruled Ring of Honor and he also ruled Pro Wrestling Noah. And Kenta is the originator of the GTS. CM Punk never asked Kenta, if he can borrow the GTS, never made it his own and then decided to take all of Kenta's movesets. And that's why Kenta never fully blossomed in WWE because CM Punk was doing the same thing that Kenta would do in his matches and Kenta wouldn't be able to do anything as much. That's why there was this whole backlash of when Kenta did the GTS on WWE programming People were like, oh, why is he stealing that from CM Punk? Newsflash, 
the creator of the GTS is Kenta. Kenta is still wrestling, so it makes no sense for CM Punk to still have the GTS. CM Punk has been gone for seven years and decides to come back and still do the same moves. And it's like, how are you moving the needle if you're going to do the same moves and not try to keep up with the fresh talent that you want to work with? If you want to work with the fresh talent, make sure you have some new skills in your arsenal. Make sure that you're ready for this match. He picked Darby Allen because Darby Allen is the easiest to work with, whether you want to go technical or whether you want to be irresponsible with your life. You pick Darby Allen as your warm up because he is the easiest guy to work with because obviously CM Punk does not look in ring ready. CM Punk cannot lose this one and Darby Allen cannot lose this one. These guys need to be protected at all costs because if CM Punk loses, you definitely know that the internet is going to explode and the internet is going to call him trash and the internet is just going to really go after him. And then you're going to have the people who praise CM Punk think he did nothing wrong and was like, oh, he tried his best. He's coming off after seven years of not wrestling. Well, you should have been training for at least like the last two years to get out that ring rust. Make sure you can have 30 minutes of cardio to make sure that if you need to go 30 minutes, you could go 30 minutes. But then again, we're going to have that divide if CM Punk loses. People are going to be like, oh, he's trash. Other people are going to be like, oh, give him a break. You know, it's seven years he hasn't been wrestling. Let's see how it plays out because... The internet wrestling community loves the phrase, let's watch it play out. Now, Darby Allen can't lose because he's been on a high winning streak and he's been doing everything possible to be memorable and be put in these situations. And everybody talks about Darby Allen. So if Darby loses, what's the point of having all this AEW original momentum there and you have CM Punk beating him? In CM Punk's hometown. Now, I totally get it. The hometown hero is supposed to have the victory. Most of the time, if I'm booking something, I would definitely want to see it that way. But Darby Allen is an AEW original. CM Punk is still a WWE guy. No matter how you want to look at it. Fans remember more of CM Punk's run because all they do is put up the pipe bomb and that's it. They don't talk about anything else from CM Punk. With Darby Allen, we could talk about his evolved days. We could talk about his indie days. And we could definitely talk about his AEW career. He's definitely a staple in AEW. So having him lose will lose all that momentum, possibly lose all that credibility. And then he's back to square one, like most of the guys on the AEW roster. So I think that it would be best to have a actual DQ to save both of them, to save them both. On AEW Dynamite, CM Punk was attacked by 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. Why not have them do another run-in, come to pay-per-view, save both of them so that way nobody wins and and possibly have CM Punk face 2.0 in a tag team match so that way Punk can slowly come back into wrestling, can slowly work it up and you know, get that ring rust off. And then eventually he could have a one-on-one match with 2.0 as well. And a one-on-one match with Daniel Garcia, because those three guys, even though people know them, their name doesn't carry weight like a Darby Allen in this situation. So that is why you will pair 2.0 and Daniel Garcia up with CM Punk. So because if they lose, it won't be such a tremendous loss. 
as it would for Darby Allen losing to CM Punk in CM Punk's hometown at All Out. You want to build CM Punk's wins up gradually with people that don't have a lot of power to their name. And the only reason why Darby has a lot of power to his name is because he is an AEW original. So again, I am not picking a winner for this match. I'm just going to say that it has to end in a DQ to save both of these guys. Now we get to the first of many title matches on the card. We have Eddie Kingston going against Miro for the AEW TNT Championship title. I do not know how we got here, but I do not see Eddie Kingston taking the AEW TNT Championship title off of Miro. I always see Eddie Kingston taking off a championship title off of Moxie just because they're really good friends and they have an amazing chemistry together. Miro has been on a very hot streak with his new character, his new persona, which I love that he is God's favorite champion and he's doing amazing with it. So Miro is going to be retaining that AEW TNT championship title come all out. Next, we have a steel cage match that's going to happen at All Out this weekend. The Lucha Bros are challenging the Young Bucks for their AEW World Tag Team Championship titles inside of a steel cage. And this is going to be mayhem. You know it's going to be a lot of spots. You know that someone is going to jump off that cage. You know that it's going to be a brutal fight. And it's going to be delivering one hell of a story. These guys can definitely tell a story in the ring, despite the many spots that happened during the match. However, on AW Dynamite, they gave us a preview of what that might look like by lowering the cage and really destroying the Lucha Bros and whoever else was in there. And I think that's like a WCW move and a WWE move. They showed us their hands before the pay-per-view. And sometimes you might think that now the finish might change. Now you're thinking that maybe because the heels beat down the baby faces, the baby faces may end up taking the championship titles or the heels may retain. But I don't think that did anybody a good service other than showing the fans and telling the story that... The elite truly runs AEW at that point. If they wanted to lower the cage, they did it anyway. They didn't seek Tony Khan's approval. They didn't seek anyone's approval. And who was really good at doing what they wanted when they wanted and had all the power to tell this kind of story? The NWO, WCW. It happened multiple times and repetition like that gets people burnt out, gets people disinterested. Even though you have the vocal minority of the AEW faithful saying it was the best thing ever or that they enjoyed it, I get it. You can enjoy wrestling, but have them work on their thought process, their storytelling to be smarter because I know these guys can tell better stories. I know these guys can tell smarter stories but when you have the vocal AEW faithful that think that AEW can do no wrong, 
can think that AEW is a masterpiece after every show, after every pay-per-view, that does not help their flaws. That does not help improving their flaws because you think that everything is a hit, everything is a masterpiece, and you want to find the good in everything. You can find the good in everything, but the stuff that they need to work on is what needs to be fixed and what needs to be heard. Of course, it's not going to get done overnight, and I'm not asking for any of this to get done overnight, but be smarter about your encounters. Be smarter about your the situations. Be smarter about everything and how it's going to affect storylines, pushes, people's thoughts. And I know you can't please everybody, and they say this all the time. I can't please everybody whenever I come on my podcast episodes and I say something of truth and people just think I'm trolling or whatever. Like, no, I get it. I can't please everybody and I'm not here to please everybody. And that's obviously AEW's thinking. But these guys are the smartest guys in the business because we wouldn't be talking about them the way that we do. We wouldn't be buying their merchandise. We wouldn't be supporting the book sales. We wouldn't be supporting everything that they've done in this business for us. But sometimes the stories have not been connecting. The stories have not been as great as they are. They didn't need a beat down at the end of their match if they won their match and then have the cage lower. And then we're getting right to all out just to show you a preview of what might happen during the pay-per-view. Who does that? AEW never really reveals their hand, and they went and revealed their hand on AEW Dynamite. That's a really weird flex. They really don't do that. They really leave you in anticipation for the upcoming pay-per-view to see what's really going to happen rather than showing their hand. Having the cage lower and beating up the guys and then Tony Khan coming out being angry and Kenny Omega with the backhanded comment. That's WCW. That's NWO. That's not AEW. AEW don't show you their hands like that. They may do obvious things in terms of stuff that trends, in terms of stuff that they read. But when it comes to a wrestling standpoint... They don't really show their hand like that. Anyway, my pick is still going to be the Young Bucks retaining their AEW World Tag Team Championship titles because I do not see them dropping the belts anytime soon. And I will not predict on this podcast who they could drop it to because at this point, it's like, I'm just waiting for the next person to show up to see if they can dethrone the Young Bucks. I have been so far removed from this whole elite storyline just because of the way that it has been presented. Definitely not the strongest storyline they ever presented. But I will say this though, Kenny Omega dyeing his hair the black and the blue, pay attention to that. That's a story beat. And usually when that happens, some shit is about to go down. And it might turn into something that may grab me. This whole storyline has not really grabbed me. In the beginning, I thought it was going to be great. And it was grabbing me and then taking me on this journey. I just lost out of it. But pay attention to the fact that Kenny Omega dyed his hair the black and the blue. Again, some shit is going to go down. Our next championship match is the AEW Women's World Championship. Chris Atlander is taking on Britt Baker. Britt Baker has done an excellent job carrying the women's division. 
Chris Statlander is coming back and gaining momentum. But unfortunately, as much as I love Chris and I want to see her hold the championship title one day, Britt Baker is retaining the AEW Women's Championship title at All Out. She may end up having interference from Jamie Hayter and even Rebel. So that might be a factor. So Chris Statlander better bring some backup with her when she has this match with Britt Baker. And now we come to the main event of All Out September 5th in Chicago. Christian Cage challenges Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship title. Christian Cage has been on a hot streak as well, and he has already dethroned Kenny Omega for that Impact World Heavyweight Championship title. Impact Wrestling has Victory Row coming up. It will be debuting on September 18th, and Christian Cage will be putting that Impact World Championship title on the line against Ace Austin. So this matchup here at All Out when Christian Cage faces Kenny Omega could be a very interesting one. Imagine if Christian Cage took the belt off of Kenny Omega. There goes the whole Thanos storyline. There goes the whole belt collector storyline. And the only real belt collector in the wrestling world is Switchblade Jay White. He may not be carrying as much belts as Kenny Omega these days, but... Jay White has definitely proved to be one of the best wrestlers in the business by being a Grand Slam champion. And while Kenny could say the same thing, no belts are weighing down Jay White. And I know that I went off on a little tangent there, but just to put things into perspective, if Christian Cage beats Kenny Omega, he's going to take that AEW World Championship title with him to impact and face Ace Austin at Victory Road September 18th. So market calendars for that for impact to show them some love. But other than that, I do not see Christian Cage winning against Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega is still going to retain. Kenny Omega is going to be my pick, even though he dropped down to number two in my list of wrestlers who is really pushing the needle currently and really making amazing stories. But this whole feud that has been building up has led us to this finally. Kenny Omega definitely needs this win. And after this win, needs an angle where he either sets up another match with somebody. If he sets it up with Hangman Adam Page, sure. But imagine if... Tony Khan tells Kenny Omega that his next opponent after Kenny Omega retains the AEW World Championship title is Daniel Bryan. Not that I'm hoping that Daniel Bryan shows up at All Out. I don't really care. But at that point, if he does, it overshadows Hangman Adam Page's eventual return. And now we have to start... Again, with the momentum of Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega. Just for perspective, this whole friendship storyline between Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page really started in 2016. Early days of Ring of Honor and when Ring of Honor had the partnership with New Japan Pro Wrestling, the two were butting heads. And then the fact that we had that Bullet Club Civil War, it was just really stupid and outrageous. But for perspective-wise, Hangman Adam Page, Kenny Omega storyline along with the Bucks happened in 2016 of Ring of Honor and here we are now. I'm getting a little bit burnt out, but hear me out. 
if Tony Khan gets Daniel Bryan to come in and tells Kenny Omega he is your next opponent, I would like to see Daniel Bryan take on a different type of character, which would be a gun for hire where anybody can hire him for matches. And definitely if the boss like Tony Khan hires you to go take out Kenny Omega, you know it's personal at this point and he wants to take the belt off of Kenny and also the elite to alleviate the power that they hold over AEW. I would say that at this point, Kenny will accept the match because he knows he could beat Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan hasn't wrestled in a couple of months while Kenny Omega has been busting his ass. So it's like second nature to him. So he'll be okay. And when the match happens, Kenny Omega obviously goes over and retains the belt against Daniel Bryan if we ever get there. And then this is where I need Hangman Adam Page to become a lone wolf, turn heel, and take out everybody that has stepped in front of him. And when he finally reaches Kenny Omega, that is going to be his moment to shine, his moment to dethrone Kenny Omega. Because honestly, I am tired of the story. I am tired of the slow burn. It is extremely slow. There is no new storytelling element, no new character build, no new added layer to this story in general, to Hangman Adam Page actually evolving and becoming an adult. How much longer is he going to be in his teenage emo feelings about this? Like, you have one life to live, and... Your biggest goal in life is to become an AEW world champion. And the one thing that's holding you back is the words that the elite have told you and that basically they called you a fuck up nonstop and they treated you like shit. Well, guess what? Do you know what women do when they get treated like shit? They become the baddest, revengeful bitches on the planet and they tear everybody down and they beat the shit out of everybody and then they get what they need. They get what they want. That's what Adam Page has to do right now. Adam Page has to become a revengeful bitch in order to get the world title that he was promised at the beginning of his AEW career. But that didn't happen because you have Jericho. Jericho is a huge star power. He's been around the world. He's a veteran. You're not winning against a veteran unless you do like a roll up or just some type of shock pin that the veteran wasn't expecting even though he knew it could happen but they don't really count on that but Heyman and the page needs to come back as that vengeful bitch to take the belt off of Kenny Omega and end this story I've offered many different types of story what ifs on this podcast the square circle podcast because that's what I do I am Marie Shadows the storyteller and I love telling stories that make sense I love powerful characters that can keep me hooked if you can have a confident character on the screen for people to watch they will be more invested for the end result because they know that the confidence this character has can give them the confidence to achieve their goals, to give them the confidence to go out in everyday life and survive. But if all we keep seeing is a teenage emo guy wallowing around in his sorrow and his pity and drinking it away, not creating strong humans in a sense of that everyone is probably going to be doing the same thing when they can't 
be an adult about something and talk about it out and they want to be in their feelings, what they're going to do, they're going to turn to drinking, they're going to turn to bad influences. But if you have a character on a screen, especially someone of a cowboy nature that is supposed to exude a take no bullshit kind of attitude, then you'll create people who will take no bullshit tell people their truths, tell people how they feel and have an open dialogue and open communication for both sides to be heard. But again, friendship is complicated. I totally get that. But at this point, it's definitely one-sided. The elite going off and using their power to their advantage. And then you see the Dark Order trying to console Heyman Adam Page and let him know that real friendship exists where friends will support you and friends will be there to have your back. But the moment that you fuck up is the moment you think the whole world is going to end and you think that your friends, the Dark Order is going to turn on you and then decide to leave when they say, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You didn't fuck anything up. We were too distracted on our own stuff. Like, you know, Hangman should have never shouldered all of that thinking that the Dark Order was going to yell at him the same way that the elite did. And it should have clicked in his head. It should have clicked where Hangman was like, oh, they understand. And then maybe take a little breather, watch the match again and understand that, yeah, everybody was in their own element doing their own things. So it wasn't Hangman's fault that everyone lost their opportunity for something in that match. And that's how you grow. You don't say, hey, I'm leaving the Dark Order just to be off TV for a while, wallow in pity and sorrow, and then maybe come back. Like the momentum is stop and go. And I really hate that. There's no consistency. And I'm going to need somebody in this hangman and Kenny storyline to be somewhat adults and actually finish this through. So I know I'm supposed to be talking about Christian Cage versus Kenny Omega, but what more can I say on that? I am way more interested in getting to the finish line of Hangman and Kenny and their whole entire story. Christian Cage is definitely one hell of a wrestler and he knows how to really slow down matches and he could definitely teach that to the younger guys because sometimes you don't need to go 60 miles per hour for what you could do in maybe like five miles per hour to get the same story over in a match, you know? And nothing against Christian Cage, nothing against him. It's just there are certain storylines I want finished in AEW before we throw in random guys that have nothing to do with the main overall story of AEW. That's all it is. I want stories to finish before we throw in other things. And to think that throwing in Christian Cage is going to help Hangman and Kenny, it's definitely not going to happen. The same way that we have CM Punk. CM Punk is overshadowing Hangman. Only now that I see a couple of tweets that are like, does anyone miss Hangman? We all miss Hangman. Hangman is the star of AEW. But yet then Punk comes in and it's the Punk show. When Daniel Bryan comes in, it's going to be the Daniel Bryan show. And again, we're going to forget about Hangman. It does not matter if Hangman's having a kid or not. Anybody can have a kid. It's the fact of you have this on-screen character that hasn't grown since 2017 of March when he decided to take on Jay White for that IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship title and Jay White destroyed him in that promo. Destroyed him. 
pointed out all of his flaws, pointed out how he's in the shadow of the elite and he's in the shadow of Cody Rhodes and he's never going to be his own man. Well, guess what? Fast forward four years later, he has not become his own man. No matter how many people want to sugarcoat it, technically he has not become his own man. Like he would have became his own man when he came out with the Dark Order in that amazing gear and everybody was lined up on the stage and they left an empty spot for Brody Lee and they all came down as a unit, as a friendship to face the elite and everyone else. But unfortunately, Hangman had to eat the pin, which was very stupid and stopped his momentum. That would have been the turning point of Hangman becoming his own man and finally going to prove Jay White wrong after four years. And, you know, I get it. Hangman Adam Page is young and there's a lot more stuff he could be doing. But how long is this storyline going to keep going? Does no one else want to work with Hangman Adam Page? Is this why we still have the friendship storyline going? Like, I'm just curious. There's no other angles that people want to work with Hangman Adam Page. You could tell I'm really burnt out. So let me just wrap this up pretty quickly. Kenny Omega will retain the AEW World Heavyweight Championship title against Christian Cage. I do not see Christian Cage as a double champion. Remember, Christian Cage is fighting Ace Austin at Victory Road September 18th. And that's going to be one hell of a match. So Kenny Omega is going to retain. I'm going to predict that Tony Khan comes out and says your next opponent is Daniel Bryan to get the crowd over and energized and stuff like that. If that doesn't happen, that's okay. That's cool. But then again, I'm not too hyped up for surprises anymore. I just want to get through all the AEW storylines that have all these loose endings for that way we can close the book on those feuds and give us new stories that we could attach ourselves to. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that has been my long analysis of AEW all out 2021 predictions. Let me know what you thought. Drop a comment over on the YouTube side. That's right. The Square Circle Podcast does have a YouTube side. You can see my vlogs. You can see my New Japan Pro Wrestling videos. You can definitely see my commentary videos. I want to get into professional wrestling commentary. So follow my journey along on the YouTube side. YouTube.com forward slash Square Circle Podcast. You can also leave your comments over on the Anchor side, anchor.fm forward slash Square Circle Podcast. Just leave me a voice message and I'll listen to it. It's okay if you don't agree with me. That's totally fine. There's a lot of people that don't agree with me, but we could always have a discussion about it. We could always talk about it. And I would love to do that. On the Twitter side, make sure you're following me at Marie underscore shadows for any and all updates on what I do in the indies, any new vlogs, any new ways to support me. And by the way, when I talk about support, I do have a Patreon. This Patreon is dedicated to making pro wrestling memories. What that means is that I travel to indie events. I have a vlog on the indie events that I do. I want to get into pro wrestling commentary. So make sure to support me like that as well. And I'm also on a weight loss journey and that will be added to the Patreon. And what you can do is pick a tier, whichever tier you're comfortable, pay as much as you want, support me, Marie Shadows, and I will definitely in turn thank you guys with all the content I tend to give you guys. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Marie Shadows because together we are making pro wrestling memories.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one.